Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Today in history, in 1966, the United Nations General Assembly endorsed the Outer Space Treaty, an international treaty binding the parties to use outer space only for peaceful purposes. Welcome to What the Fuck History, where we discuss the wackiest and weirdest things that make us say, well, what the fuck history. Recording live from Chile, Mitchell, South Dakota, I am your host, Zachary, and man, this is a lot of corn. My name's Megan, and I will be the United Nations General Assembly's top police task force for enforcing the fact that peace is only going to reign supreme in space. And I'm Matt. Today I learned about something called Cotard Delusion, where a person believes they are dead or that they are immortal. It's closely related to a similar delusion where the sufferer believes that members of their family have been replaced by imposters. That's right, folks. This is your friendly reminder that your brain is three pounds of squishy goo that plays tricks on you sometimes. What, like... See, what's really fun is when I say things and my co-hosts are just quiet for a good half second. That's how I know I landed a good one. No, no, I'm... I'm processing, because, like... So your family, let's say you think your uh, mom's an imposter, right? What if she's like an imposter for the better? I don't think that's <laughs> like, ever how this goes. Like, what if the person that replaced the, your family member, you're like, I actually kind of like them I more. actually prefer them, to be honest. <laughs> actually, they're, they're pretty great. Yeah, like, this what version ha- of Avril Lavigne is way better, yeah, like, if what I'm if- honest. <laughs> But like seriously, it's just like wow. This version of my dad talks to me way Man, more. Man, this this version of my dad isn't emotionally distant. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Um, yeah. The, so I don't like, think it works that way. I think it's always <laughs> for the negative. Okay. Look. Well, no. With that attitude, that. for we sure. Have an interview. We have a canvas. Hey, look, I'm not a person yeah, with that who's. Attitude, we can be hopeful. Uh, I'm not a person who's studying the brain and these diseases, so I don't know. That's fair. Neither, you know neither am I. I just, just this is just conjecture. Maybe. You know what is really interesting to learn, though? It's um, just science. This is another uh, today I learned, except I learned it a long time ago. Uh, people who uh, come from nations where they're socially supported, so like tribal cultures and things like mm-hmm. that, where people are like, all together in better maybe not better health but their mental health is much better because they're supported by an entire tribe when yep. they hallucinate voices mm-hmm. with schizophrenia mm-hmm. the voices are positive like they're encouraging that's really cool as oh, opposed okay. to like most well, Americans who are schizophrenic wow. just hear negative thoughts 
on that note, did you know? Damn, dude. Can you uh, imagine? On that note, it's time to end. Did you know, uh, speaking of America and also tribal nations, uh, that that, uh, several nations no longer consider the United States to be a developed nation? Yes. I also saw a video the other day of a council member from some Irish uh, council who was trying to convince people that America is a third world country. Yeah. Yeah. And requires, like, UN aid, essentially. <laughs> and he's, like, listing off all the reasons it, like, why it, it could be that. classified as one. Yep. Yeah, no public transport, constant threat no of being shot. Uh, we have he- terrible education, no access to public health care, the highest maternal, like, I yeah. think, birth rate. Highest maternal and infant among, uh, quote unquote, death rate, yeah. Yeah. Mortality. Yeah. Um, you know, what else? all the good stuff. We don't believe in abortions. We rank Women first suck. in all I, of like, the important categories. Like gun like deaths. Like believing that angels are real. Gun deaths. Believing that angels are real. We also rank first Is in that a category? COVID deaths. Uh-huh. And we rank last in maps. So <laughs> And on that note, let's fuck this pig. And on that note, Zach wants to fuck a pig. (laughs) All right, listening audience, uh, we have reset our strikes to zero. (laughs) Silence. And we have played a game of rock, paper, scissors that only existed in our mind palace. And the order for tonight is me, and then Zach's going to talk to you for a bit, and then Megan's going to go, and then we're going to close this thing out, go to bed, Wake up tomorrow and hopefully be in a better place. Sounds great. I mean, that's just my hope. It's probably not going to happen, but we'll see. We can give it a try. So this story that I'm about to tell you guys comes from World War II. Uh, And I truly didn't mean to do two World War II stories a week apart, but maybe because of the way that Zach releases these, I didn't. So we'll see. Um... (laughs) That being said, we're going back to the sequel to World War I. Uh, and today we're going to talk about planes. Um. So, in a war, it's important that you're always trying to develop good technology. Gooder technology than your enemies. Gooder. The goodest, actually. Um, and last mm-hmm. week... If Zach releases these back to back, I told a story about a fancy new U-boat that sank itself because it had a high-tech toilet. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, the toilet. And as toilet, toilet sub. sub. And as I mentioned today, we're talking about jet. Well, I said we were talking about planes, but I'm talking about jet planes specifically. Um, we are talking about the very first jet plane, which is the Bell P-59 which was also known as the Era Comet. I didn't, don't ask me. They named it. Um, so the whole purpose of war is developing new tech. And up until this point in World War II, planes had been prop planes. So they have propellers, the little things yep. that go like... 
uh, kind of like a helicopter, but it goes on the front of the plane. You guys know what a propeller is. Shut the I fuck know. up. Not you, the <laughs> listeners. They're yelling at me because I'm going on and on. You can't hear it, but I can. In my mind palace. Um, so the... <laughs> I love you, Matt. You're a genuinely oh, wonderful person. Um, so the P-59 was one of the first jet planes to be put into development. Uh, and I'm not going to go through the process of describing all of the details about the P-59 because it'll bore people. Uh, the aforementioned people that are speaking in my head about how... Oh my We're last God. in what math and science. I, you can't. Huh? I don't understand it. You are We're last, last in math, math and, science. and science in this country. You think the I'm going to... You the, think I'm going to understand anything that comes out of your mouth regarding that plane? Won't know. Well, I expect you to because you're college educated. The people in math and science. No, no, they don't. They don't teach us math and science in college. They te- they say, "What do you want to learn?" And I stupidly said, <laughs> "And then you also said history." And they said that will not. I get was you a actually job. required to take pre-calculus in college. I was required to take statistics, and I failed it every time. Uh, it wasn't until my last semester where I hired someone to take statistics for me and just go to all of the <laughs> classes that I passed. America, uh, capitalism at work. <laughs> that's actually not even the truth. I didn't How have to take stats because my degrees don't make sense. Uh, so anyways, I'm not going to bore anyone with the, the cool details about the plane. Um, but what makes the story what the fuck history worthy uh, is that during the P-59's first test flight uh, on October 2nd, the year of our Lord, 1942, Bell Aircraft Corporation's test pilot Robert Morris Stanley uh, was given the task of test flying his jet plane, but the U.S. Uh, Army Air Force wanted to ensure that nobody knew what they were looking at. So more specifically, they wanted to make sure that people had a hard time believing what they were seeing. And so to accomplish this task, uh, they asked Stanley to wear a gorilla suit while he was piloting the aircraft. (laughs) That way, if anyone encountered the plane, they'd think it was a stunt or a joke um, instead of a secret military test. Uh, And here's what Here's the best part of this story. Are you guys ready for the best part of this story? Yes. I don't yes. think you're ready for I'm the ready. best part of this story. <laughs> it's it's a lie. <laughs> I was oh. I was oh. swindled while I was researching this story. I saw like a post on I don't remember where I found this story from. Bamboozled, I've been bamboozled. If you will. I You've been I got, bamboozled, yeah. I got bamboozled. So essentially everything that I just told our listening audience is a lie and it's not even our April Fool's episode. So I feel bad about that. But I got balls deep in the researching process and I had finished an entire page of notes about this. I was just like, oh, cool. This story is so awesome. And then I fucking got to like got into actually researching the event itself. And there was absolutely no information about it. And I was just like, hmm, something about this seems fishy. So I tried to find the original article. And when I found the original, like, post on Reddit or wherever I found it, I saw, like, under the post and two comments away was just someone that was like, this is a lie. 
uh, this is the real pilot that did this, and this is the reason why they did it. So I was just like, well, fuck. But um, as I mentioned to our Patreon subscribers, and as I'm mentioning now to save my own ass, uh, Zach <laughs> told me he thought it would be funny, so I left it. We just decided to lie to you for the whole first story. Um, however, uh, there was a pilot named Jack Woolums. Who Woolums? did Yeah, Woolums. It's spelled W-O-O-L-A-M-S. Uh, it's a great last name, to be honest. I, like, I giggled about it the first time I read it. <laughs> but he piloted a P-59 while he was wearing a gorilla mask and smoking a cigar. <laughs> um, and he was wearing a bowler hat. Uh, okay. But he did it just because I... he was, like, a prankster. So, like, he went out in a plane with a gorilla mask and a cigar and a bowler hat just to, And like, he was McGilla, McGilla Gorilla in a fucking was, plane? He was McGilla Gorilla, and he did it for the benefit of other pilots that were up there. Um, I don't know why... Truthfully, I don't know why I was swindled for so long with this story, because, <laughs> like... If you're developing a new plane, and even if you're flying it around, like, people are going to know it's an airplane. And so... Yeah, I mean, it would also be pretty funny if they did catch him, um, even if this was real, right? And he's just like, oh, sorry, I got lost, and I happened to be doing this yeah. in a <laughs> costume. I mean, the post... The post like, that I oh, had naturally. seen was, like, it was, like, a Nazi saying, like, I saw a gorilla flying a plane and they're like we need to get you to the infirmary uh and i guess for that aspect of it it would make sense to be like oh if someone sees this plane flying but they come down and say i saw a gorilla flying a jet plane like people would be like okay so here's what we're gonna do with you and they'd kill him because they were nazis and they were generally not good people um but and i think that kind of interested me about the story is like oh they found a way to you know pull one over on the nazis i mean we won the war so we also pulled that over the nazis but like you know the nazis leader also killed himself so way to go nazis um (laughs) that's the only thing the nazis had going for them is that their leader killed himself uh (laughs) so yeah it was a lie Mostly. Um, There was a gentleman who dressed up in a gorilla suit to fly a plane, but it was unfortunately not the first flight of the plane. And uh, he did it just for a laugh among his friends. What I did find interesting about the P-59, at least the first batch of the P-59s, the one that I'm talking about, they never made it into circulation. So these were just like test planes... They made other variations of this test plane, um, but the Era Comet itself never made it out into the wild, except for test flights. Huh. Um, so interesting. Yeah. yeah, that's my. It's a it's a baby story, guys. It's a tiny little baby story, but um, it's also a lie. So well, you were swindled. <laughs> Live with it. You were swindled Deal for so it. long. You were swindled I was. Sw- I mean, I've been living with this lie for two weeks because we were supposed to record last week and we didn't. 
Um, yeah, it just hurts me to lie to you guys uh, and our listening public. But not so bad that I won't do it again in the future, so... Well, it is a, is it's a not a just a threat. It's a promise. Look out okay. for me the next uh, April Fool's Day. I will find oh, something gosh. else to lie about. I mean, we'll all lie about April Fool's. It's what we it's do. it's going to be hot. Off the press. <laughs> and on that note, I'm going to... I was going to say, the- Zach, I need you to jump in here or I will keep talking forever. Segways are weird. Yeah. Whoop. I need a slide whistle. <laughs> <laughs> no, because you would use it at irresponsible times. There's, is there ever a responsible use for a slide whistle? Absolutely. When you whip your um, dick out on a first encounter, <laughs> you just have that slide whistle. Excuse me? The girl's like rustling around in your pants and you're just like, Poo. fair Great. enough. I'll take that response. I don't. I don't know what I would do. Uh, you know, that's that's a stumper. That's I a mean, right there. I'm not getting a second date, but maybe she had. A but it's a great story time. she can tell later. Exactly. Or maybe it's uh, a story we tell to our grandkids someday. Who knows? When your grandmother um, was whipping out my dick. <laughs> let me tell you. I know those <laughs> Anyway, that girl just gets turned on every time she hears a slide whistle. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Zach, tell your story, please. Save us from anyone who knows us or listens to After Dark knows we all collectively have an affinity for video games and their lovely history. We're also friends with a guy named James. Yes, we are. Um, and in fact, Matt, you actually covered the World of Warcraft Blood Plague on one episode, so... I did indeed. You know, we're not strangers to yeah. video games and their history. So tonight, I would like to tell the story of a game I think absolutely no one should ever play, ever. E.T.? No, it's a game called Rogue. Ah, okay. Our story Rogue. begins with a man by the name of Toy. Uh, Michael Toy and his friend Glenn Witchman. Now, these are, toys. These are some good names, I'll say. There's some great names. These are um, these are protagonist names. These are top tier. They names. got some main character energy for sure. Yeah. Um. So Toy's father was a nuclear scientist in California. Oh, already uh, nice. Getting into, getting it. into uh, it. And once a year, his company did the whole like, "Hey, take your kid to work" sort of deal. Um, And it wasn't long before Michael was infatuated with the computer systems and more specifically a text-based Star Trek game that could run on the system at his father's work. Mind you, this is in 1971, so text-based computer games are pretty much the pinnacle of video games. Yeah, they're like, I'm in a nuclear reactor right now at my dad's work, but, you know, these text-based I think we need to address the fact that both of my co-hosts have now said the word nuclear incorrectly. What do you mean? You're saying nuclear, nuclear, which is not how you say it. It's spelled... What are you talking about? Nuclear. (laughs) Guys. guys, Tomato, tomato. Let's fucking go. Guys, I'm giving you both strikes. No. <laughs> because, uh, why? 
today. Today, That's how you say it. I am a grammar Nazi. <laughs> and it's Ugh. it's the punishment you deserve. Nuclear. Learn, learn how, how say to nuclear. say words correctly. Okay. You know what? I had some someone called me out drawing? for saying drawing wrong. Yeah, they were like, why are you putting an R at how the do, end? Wait, say it again? And I was like... Drawing. Draw putting an R where one does not exist. Does not belong. Yeah, but you guys wouldn't have noticed. No, I did oh, notice I immediately. <laughs> Just like when Zach said nuclear, Sorry. and I was like, I'll let that slide, but then you did it, nuclear. and I was like, I cannot allow <laughs> this to occur. Okay. We do it's have to get on with Zach's story, will, but we can I... fight about this later. For now, so, both of you have strikes. Uh, this game was so oh, lovely wow. that Michael learned uh, programming specifically to write a copy of the game for himself that you could play on his Atari 400. Python? Um, C++? No, this is way before Python <laughs> and C++, my friend. He learned Spanish. Um, <laughs> yes, the Atari 400 ran on Spanish. Um so in the late 1970s, Michael enrolls and is accepted into the University of California, Santa Cruz, uh, where he has access to their PDP-11 and VAX-11, which in layman's terms were 16 and 32-bit computers, respectively. Nice. What a lot of processing power. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Not a lot of processing power. Bitty, bitty living space. <laughs> exactly. Um... But this allowed Michael to code and do more coding, and it also ex allowed him to explore the possibilities of games on the ARPANET, or the Advanced Research Projects Agency Network, which was the first wide area packet switch network with di distribution control. Please pardon the ongoing technical jargon, but tech nerds just started slinging custard because what I described was the beginnings of the internet. <laughs> oh my god the beginning of it all the humanity's downfall welcome to the internet welcome to the internet and also the death of your so the span. ARP ANET was basically like a bunch of files that were like hosted together on main servers that could be accessed through other ser like other computers on the network kind of like when you're at school and you can like access the school's network same kind of idea. Eventually, that's just expanded into the whole fucking internet. Um, so Michael Toy falls in love with a brand new game that he finds on this place called Colossal Cave Adventure, which is another text-based adventure game, which inspires him to write his own game. You see where this is going? <laughs> I think so. I also just realized I've been muted for the last I... minute because I blew my nose. <laughs> well, welcome back then. Hey, thanks. So enter Glenn Wichman, uh, another student at US, UCSC. Glenn um, Wichman who is... was a boy like any other living in small town. I'm sorry. I was writing Wichman the trailer. was a boy like any other who was a big fucking nerd, and he was writing his own adventure game at the time that he's at University of California, Santa Cruz. Uh, but it's a different kind of adventure game to 
Michael Toys, you see, Witchman had grown up making variations on TTRPGs and was studying game design to become a board game developer, which, how the fuck do I get that job? That sounds dope. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Sound like the time. Sounds like a great time. Uh, Witchman and Toy end up becoming really good friends talking about different, like, ideas of adventures and game design and they actually end up moving in together during their time at college because they're like fuck it we keep bouncing great ideas off of each other let's keep going and this highly likely duo share an apartment together to basically continue to like give each other ideas uh toy was the coder and witchman was the designer and together they found their sticking point with every other game that they had played both on technology, on computers and technology, and in board games, and it was the desire to play it again after you were done. Like, you would learn Kill Troll with Sword, yes, that is a Zork reference, but you didn't have to learn it again. It was the same thing every time you played Zork. And around this time in 1980, a new operating system is being used on campus at University of California, Santa Cruz, and it contained in it the Curses Programming Library, which sounds awful, but really all it did was allow programmers to place characters, the letters and numbers, not your level 12 high elf wizard, at any point on a terminal, meaning you could map things out and create the first and most rudimentary graphics. So the two men come up with the idea to make a Dungeons and Dragons like game where they could have elements of the game that would change every time you played it. And they called it Rogue after the idea of that instead of being in a D&D party, you're an adventurer going at it alone. Nice. A rogue, if you will. Um, and they ran into a lot of initial issues, like having a hard time coding for random, tr- like true, authentic, random generation. Um, sometimes there would be like a staircase that would lead to nowhere due to the random generator. It was like, well, I'm randomly going to put elements in here, even if they don't make sense. Um, and so their solution to random generation being a problem was procedural generation. Instead of trying to randomize a whole map at a time, you write the code to build out a room in three by three grids. So as the player moves along, more is generated off of where you move. And these two guys basically sat down and made the first procedurally generated dungeon crawler in 19-fucking-80. Nice. Which is astounding. Inspired by... 
inspired by inspired nuclear by physics. nuclear physics in Star Trek. Nuclear. <laughs> it's uh, sorry, nuclear physics, yeah, Star Trek, saying. and also a little bit of D and T. And they begin playtesting. Wow, the unholy trinity uh, at University of California, Santa Cruz. And people, even in 1980, were like save scumming and doing other dirty tricks to like beat the game. But the game was a really big hit at, with all of the students on campus. And it continues to grow and they continue to work on it until Michael Toy actually gets kicked out of University of California, Santa Cruz, because he was spending so much time working on Rogue that he was failing all of his classes. Oh, I'm sorry. So uh, just because he didn't have the Zuckerberg plan of dropping out before they could, they could yes, get rid exactly. of him. Yes, exactly. We're gonna frown but on. But I'm him. not gonna shit on him because he like the story yeah. doesn't end there. He man, Michael Toy manages to get a job in the computer labs at University of California, Berkeley, um, which puts a strain on him and Witchman working on the project together because they can't really do much over long distances. UC California, Berkeley, and UC California, Santa Cruz are like miles and miles apart. Um, and this is before the birth of the real internet, so Witchman hands over the full production of Rogue to Toy, and Toy is like, well, now I'm one man developing this game rather than two. But Ken Arnold, a new player in this, was a student at University of California, Berkeley, who played Rogue because while Rogue started at UC Berkeley, it was on the network that was for all of the University of California's, and it snuck its way into UC Berkeley. So Ken Arnold plays Rogue, and he was like, I bet I can improve on this design. I know I can like work on this, but I don't have the source code. And then all of a sudden, Michael Toy ends up getting a job at UC Berkeley. And Ken Arnold is like, hey, man, I know we can do better with this. I think we can like have updates, including like a modem line so you can play online. And Toy like, and Arnold meet up, quickly become friends, and they both start working on this project together. They contact Witchman after another year or two and basically are like, hey, we can get this game to market. It's ready to go. And they work with uh, Epic's EPYX, which was a game developer at the time, to sell the game. And they're really excited about it, except the game is a commercial failure on launch. Damn. And they barely rip. make enough money to, like, get in the clear. Dude, imagine that being any other pursuit in life, though, where you're like, this is fucking gas. People are going to love this. And then so, it gets out there in the wild, and it's, like, incorrect. So the problem was is that Epix was such a small distributor, and they weren't really marketing the game very well. So, like, it didn't... It was too ahead of its time, and it wasn't marketed well enough to actually sell. So it was not a failure on the game's part. It was a failure on the marketing part. But what's important about Rogue is that despite it failing commercially, it is one of the biggest technical achievements and most important movements in video game history. And it is the first procedurally generated game. 
the first game with replayability, and one of the first games that lets a player do more than type in prompts. And I say that no one should play this game ever, but everyone has played a variation of this game, and they love it. Because it's it is called. the style of game that we still play today. Why do you think they're called roguelikes? Ping pong. Oh my god. Coming oh. full circle. I was wondering if it I was gonna I was wondering if if it was going to like because I've never heard of yep. the game Rogue. Right, but like games that were made in the 70s and 80s and some even mm -hmm. in the early 90s, like they were doing frontier-like yep. things. But like the games themselves sort of faded into antiquity, but we still use things from mm -hmm. them, right? And so I was like, I wonder if this has anything to do with roguelikes. It is the birth of the roguelike. And again... I can't believe I love. I do too. Likes. They're great, and, and and again, the reason I say that no one should play this game is because the like graphics themselves. When I say graphics, it is a horribly outdated term. Like, look on Discord. I'm showing you what this game looked like. Oh yeah, hell yeah, it. brother! It's just like it's when I say characters to build ASCII. things. It was dots, dashes, atsky. Oh, like no. that's what it was. Like the at and percent represented a player. The and that's how they move. Oh, player. so bad. I'm trying to find and the ampersand up in this bitch. So, like, it's not a graphical achievement, but for the time, that was... You had different characters denoting What's different e? things. <laughs> What's the letter E? I think an E was a monster. <laughs> like, who's that, an enemy? Oh, no. What's B? Is... <laughs> Is that a it's a big, big bad evil big, guy. Bad enemy? I'm not sure. I don't remember all the like big things, bad. but like there are certain games who have made like similar ideas to Rogue, and they still use the same language as the original game. Um, God, that's I think, so funny. Again, I don't recommend playing this game because it's just like you can get it on Steam. Still, it's available on Steam to play today, but like. I recommend playing the hundreds of games that this one inspired both Zach directly and indirectly. Don't play it. But it's a beautiful thing that was a great achievement. And on top of that, while Toy, Witchman, and Arnold went their separate ways after the commercial failure of Rogue, they ended up all actually coming together again in 2016. And they reunited for the first time in 30 years at like a celebration of the game Rogue where they like did a whole panel and answered questions and it was a really cool thing. You actually find the whole interview on YouTube um, and they're all like such interesting people because they were like, this was just such a passion project and we knew we had something there. Um, but yeah, that is the history of the video game Rogue, which is it doesn't make any sense to play now, but like, man, oh man, did it make inspire some of the greatest games that we have now. At least it has a happier history than that of E.T. E.T. got a good ending where they dug all the copies up. Hey, hey, you ever yeah. wonder why all those copies ended up in a landfill? Because Atari was ashamed. No, because it was a bad game <laughs> that should never have come out. <laughs> Agreed. 
But hey, now that Zach's done telling his story because we took a long time to let him do that, uh, it was a good. It was a good story. It was I a good story. Know. It's not but often like, that, that we was, come to this I'm... podcast, and I think that was genuinely some information that I had a lot of fun learning. I know, like I really I like nuclear, nuclear. reactors and. Roguelikes. <laughs> I don't need that. This I is going to piss me off. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't. I'm not need trying to, to drag like you. This. I'm just trying to correct you so that other people in the wild don't do it. The last time someone tried you to correct me them? on the way that that I said drawing. Um, she was from Texas, and I said, oh, yeah, because you pronounce it. Texas should people call there. every soda a Coke. They cannot say shit. What you should shit. have said is, I'll take advice from you when all of your words stop being italics. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I essentially did. And then Houston flooded that year, and I was just like, yeah, maybe you should just, like, I don't know, stop being the Lone Star State or something. <laughs> um... Like, rip, rip to a legend. But, uh, so, there's no snappy title for this story, um, just because, like, they're really, I couldn't find one. So, it's just called Hair Art, um, and we're just gonna learn some disturbing facts. Excellent! So, every day... Uh, it feels like I learned something new and strangely endearing, but also disturbing about the Victorians. <laughs> um, yeah, yep. Zach, you know. Like, was it you who said that no, they ate the mummies? Um, oh, oh yeah. You, well, who reported yeah. on the story? Because I think that was Zach. That but was, I definitely, yeah. I remembered yeah, it. Yeah, that's what I'm... <laughs> the last, what was it, two weeks oh, yeah. ago? <laughs> when I was like, they eat mummies. Mm-hmm. It was, because we were talking about... Yep. Yeah. We all know, yeah, guys, I mean, if you've been listening to this podcast this, for a long time, know. you all know the Victorians were kind of problematic. Still are. They were like, I, I love... And mummies. Drugs. And, and mummies. Dead people. Uh, so they truly walked so we could run far away from <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was about to say, are we really running? But then I, uh, your, your joke concluded and it was better than. Yeah, thank you. And no, I really it was a, that was <laughs> really... top 10 joke, honestly. Top S-tier top joke. S tier. Just like the dildo. So in this, in this particular. Oh, yeah, that's true. Oh, it was no, the wait, vibrator. The vibrator. Yeah, S-tier. I mean, dildos are good too, guys. Come on. Whatever. Yeah. Knocks your socks <laughs> fine. off. Whatever absolutely blasts you out of the park. Continue, Megan, please. (laughs) (laughs) He's dying. Uh. I can't. Um, So in this particular case, we are going to talk about their love of art. Uh, Particularly hair. Oh, okay. Yeah, just, you know, not only for your head, but other places as well. So, have <clears throat> we ever wondered what 
it would be like to have a ring or earrings made of oh, hair. I've never. It'd be uh, more hair than I have on my head currently. You've never. Well, what about a nice made portrait? Of hair? Made of hair? Yeah. I made mean, of hair? My ex like, used to do that we'll in the shower, so. Paint? <laughs> paint is so renaissance. Like, we're evolving. Are we? And every girl, like you said, paints with hair in the shower. For some okay. reason unknown to man so, or God. They I do. Guess. Yeah, we just, it, it just like, we put it on the shower walls and it makes, it's like it's a, a Mona Lisa. of hair. Yeah, well, like, we gotta, we gotta evolve past yeah. paint at some point. So to be fair, it, it wasn't just the Victorians doing this. Human hair has been used in craft work since the Middle Ages and was used for memorial jewelry in mourning. So we have talked about Memento yes. Mori's on this show before um, and this was another type of Mentomori. Um it was considered to be a remnant of the person it was cut from but it also played a part in myths where hair could increase love, oh. uh, and having something with the person's hair in it was a sign of devotion so it could be like a token fun um, yeah uh, so like very versatile. So, although hair art did have its start before the Victorians, it was during this period where it really started to take off. Uh, not only was there jewelry, but there was also hair artworks at home that included, like, full braids, wreaths, and woven floral patterns nice. made of this stuff. <clears throat> um, yeah, this is, like, a lot of hair. Fun! That may or may not be sourced from one I mean, person. I think we can all put money on the fact that it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Safely, guys. Uh. Or maybe someone. But like, maybe maybe someone had like a maybe. lot. Maybe. Like maybe. Maybe. Um. It was like, so the hair was like also arranged into mourning scenes where they made like willow trees and little like gravestones out of the hair. Uh, it, which like has to take a lot of skill, right? Like, I can't even get my hair to stay right on my head. <laughs> and like, that's where it's supposed that's where it's to be. That is where it exists. Unless you're me and you're bald. That's where it exists. And. Okay, yeah, but you That's have a really true. big beard. I can't get that styled for anything, though. Mm. Okay, well, clearly they're doing some hair, hair-romancy. Hair-romancy. Um, oh, so, my God. Hair-romancy. Maybe that's what yeah. I should Damn it. There we go. This go back story. to the beginning. Megan, what's the name of your story? Yeah, you're right. Okay. Mm. Oh, well, funny you should ask. It's called nice. Hair-romancy. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> Nice, that's really clever. Wow, Megan, you're so great. Uh, so it also moved beyond mourning and into celebrating the hair givers like personal achievement <laughs> achievements or to signify special uh, bonds uh, between friends and family and loved ones. Oh my ones. god. Um, so I 
I guess this is better than like a tattoo, but how <laughs> awkward it would it be to like have a falling out and then have to return the hair <laughs> picture to the owner? You, I mean, like, no is it better like. than a tattoo? I don't know. Well, you can throw out a hair picture. The tattoo's That's on you true. forever. You're yeah, but like. Right. Look, I guess, like, at least with a tattoo, you could have, like, a dumb, like, you can be like, well, this is a dumb thing I did. You know, I, I don't Yeah. I, the hair, the hair art isn't glued to your wall. It's, like, in a picture yeah, frame. Yeah, but, man, then you gotta be like, yeah, I had hair art. I don't no, know. Here's I don't... the thing, Zach. If you just toss it out, no one ever has to know. I guess. Whereas yeah, with a no tattoo, people will always be like, oh, who's that? And you have to be like, oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, that's someone who I really admired the achievement <laughs> of. Yeah, I guess uh, you're right. <laughs> so hair art also, you, uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you can set hair art on fire. You can't set a <laughs> tattoo on fire. You need lasers. Lasers! Lasers. Maybe we'll cover fun laser stories in another another episode. So, hair art also became a common skill taught to young women of the period. They'll do anything to not teach the Victorian <laughs> era. You're absolutely they'll, like, right. <laughs> they'll do they'll do anything to teach the like not teach You're them so valuable correct. skills. Yeah, so they they taught this to young women of the period and sometimes like mixed this with work and there were even starter kits and magazines printed that showed patterns and how to get like started doing hair art needlework and one of the reasons it became so popular during the Victorian period was because of Queen Victoria herself she was in such deep mourning for her husband, Albert, that she had hair shit oh my from God. him and was carrying it around. And everyone was like, wow, the queen has been carrying around that piece of hair for like 40 years because Albert died relatively young. Maybe we should be <coughs> doing it too. Trendsetter. Jeez. Um, and there, there was also the added economic downturn that was caused by powdered wigs falling out of fashion and this left many hair artists because yes you could have way cooler jobs in the past and hair artists was one of them um so it left many hair artists and wig makers out of business and this offered these craftsmen a new opportunity to make income working with hair the only thing they've ever known it also seemed that eventually the art form grew beyond needing to know the person to have the hair. Buyers of hair traveled to the countryside and purchased hair from poor peasants, and sometimes in exchange for small luxury objects such as scarves. Um, and then sometimes they also gave them money, but like, who needs money when you're poor? You need scarves. <laughs> scarves, the real thing. Uh, they're the scarves, the real currency that we're after. Oh my god. There was also the need for great amounts of hair to make braids and switches that women wanted to purchase for their own, like, very elaborate hairstyle. So you, like, know those horrible, like, in in the early 2000s, like, those hair scrunchies? Yeah. Yes. 
Yes, it's sort of like that, except it was just a full-on braid of someone else's hair that oh, they nice. put That's into gross. their hair. Is gross. Yeah, super <laughs> nasty. Um, <laughs> gross Victorians. Uh, so, other reasons for the construction of hair jewelry in the home was the lack of trust in commercial manufacturers. And I'm so glad that there's still, like, a mistrust of big business even back then. <laughs> it, it just warms the heart that people are mistrustful. Hell yeah. Uh, the cons- Yeah, hell yeah, brother. So the concern was that the hair they gave these manufacturers wouldn't be the hair that was used, that they would like switch it out for like grosser hair. And even though the companies tried to get people to trust them with, like, advertisements, it kind of had the opposite effect, where it's just like, you can you can trust us, we'll definitely use your hair. And people were just like, mm, why would they be they saying that if they had Seems pretty fucking sus. Yeah. Yeah, seems real sus that you'd That's be saying that. That's what a liar and, would and say. They were like, no, really. That's what a hair liar would say. Jeez. Anyway, so though hair art has largely fallen out of fashion and uh, until those hair scrunchies came back around, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it there is a place right here in the U.S. where you can go and see hair art dating back to the yes. 18th century. And it is called... Layla's Hair Museum in Independence, Where Missouri. Vacation ah. is, kids. And the founder... I know, hey. we got the Corn Palace and the Hair Museum. So the founder's name, it was Layla Cohoon, and she was a retired cosmetology teacher who started collecting hair in 1956, and she considered it her life's work. Some people become nuns because it's their vocation, their calling. Some people are teachers and doctors. And she was like, she was like gobbling up the hair on the floor after she cut it from people. And she's like, yum, yum, yum. Into the hair museum you go. Jeez. I think we need to, um, (laughs) we need to outlaw someone saying yum, 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 hair ever again in life. Yes, Absolutely. No, it's like, did you guys ever watch Flapjack? Oh, no, that show gave me nightmares just from watching previews. Yeah, it's, yeah, it was a really scary cartoon on Cartoon Network, like, back in the Curbs the Cowardly Dog days, and one, and they lived on a pier out in the middle of the ocean, and the hairdresser had to keep cutting people's hair and, like, putting it into a hole in the floor, because there was, like, something in his basement that ate hair and she's like that thing she's I like i thought they lived on a hair. whale um no wait the whale was no the whale was flapjack's mother figure and yeah stepmom bubby yeah motherly figure bubby bubby yeah so i know more about that show than Layla i should Cahoon, you should yeah i've i've like unlocked memories Zach, of if you want to have nightmares, literally just look up uh, Misadventures of Flapjack Dentist. I oh, have yeah, seen parts of this show, horrible. and man, oh man, you're right. Yeah, it's it's not good. It's, like, not a good time. Um, 
So Layla Cahoon, it was her life's work, and she said she was always fascinated with hair as a child and considered it to be one of the most unusual parts of the human body. And man, do I have news for her. Has she ever seen a spleen? What is Uh, that? What a great question, to be honest. She opened... What? Yeah, like... But she thought hair took the top spot as most unusual part of the human body. So she opened her hair museum in 1986 in the front room of her cosmetology school, which I assume was a massive red flag to anyone who wanted to attend the school, but clearly it got business. They did not think anything of the hair in the front room. So later, she moved her museum a a few blocks up the road so she was able to expand the hair collection uh, because it was just, you know, it's just getting too big. And she, some of the rooms are covered from floor to ceiling in hair. Like fucking wallpapered in this shit. And the it she also boasts that she has hair from George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, and Marilyn Monroe, leading me to believe she is also quite possibly yes. a grave robber, as well as the monster who lives under the floorboards yeah. in No, she definitely is a grave robber. <sighs> yeah. She definitely is. But yeah, that's my story about hair art, also called hair Hairomancy, sorry. Well, well, that's one romancy. I sometimes you get a good like story about a fun video game, and sometimes you get a whole shit about hair. And man, and then man. other times you get an entire <laughs> lie about airplanes. I'll take the lie, man. I I was hoping the hair was a lie. Nah, <laughs> I'm people, hoping this was a toupee of a story. People in the Victorian era were fucked up. Yeah, man, they were. <laughs> yeah, but this lady wasn't even no, part mean, of the story. She just She's just now. weird. Yeah, it's wild. It's crazy that she'd do that. Uh, I'm going to have nightmares yeah. for the rest of the day now, so, like, we should probably end the podcast. Well, yeah, luckily, that was fun. <laughs> luckily, the day's almost over, so. I don't know, man. <clears throat> Fucking this hell. is the part of the podcast where I typically start talking about how yeah, I'm going to do like, our look, outro. I, I need a minute. I need a minute. <laughs> so I hate uh, to say it. I, I need a minute. Zach's processing the hair. The hair of it. You all. can't. You can't process the hair. You your body can't digest it anyway. No, that's true. That's a whole like plot in uh, Sandman on Netflix. Really. Yeah, the so the first episode of no, it's one of the bonus episodes that they gave after the season came out. This author wants to be like an amazing writer, and uh, he trades um a clump of hair that was in mm-hmm. someone's stomach to this author who like has a muse chained up in basement. Um, and like he talks all about how it's believed to have, uh, you know, magical properties. Interesting. Well, on that note, I think I've recovered enough to do our socials. (laughs) Do it. 
Well, folks, thank you very much for listening to this wonderful episode. We at least hope you thought it was wonderful. We thought it was wonderful. But... If you'd like to help support us, you can absolutely do so, and you can do so in a free way by following us on our socials. If you find us on Facebook, The Triumvirate Productions, you can find us on Instagram at the underscore triumvirate underscore productions, and you can also find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and wherever else you get your wonderful podcasts. And if you leave us a rating and review on that podcast... Well, we'd be pretty ding-dang happy about it. All those five-star reviews are, they're really helpful. Uh, They help bump us up the charts, and it also makes it so that we don't have to, you know, pay for ads, because we don't pay for ads. Um, If you do want to support us monetarily, we also appreciate that. You can find us on Patreon at The Triumvirate Productions, and you can support us with $3, $5, or $10 levels. Your $3 is just a big thank you. Your $5 gets you your bonus content of After Dark, uh, and our $10 level gets you the After Dark and also unedited episodes and our eternal gratitude, and you get to hear a lot more from us on the Patreon rather than the regular social media feeds. Um, But that's it. Thank you very much for listening. Matt, take it away. What am I taking away? This baton. I'm tired. I'm ready to go to bed. (laughs) Okay. Do you think Martha May Houvier from The Grinch, like, fucks incredibly? That's a cold, cold take, my friend. I need to, I need you to repeat that whole (laughs) sentence. Well, do you think Martha May Houvier from The Grinch Stole Christmas is an incredible, is incredible in bed? Yeah. What the fuck, history? Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.